Trek Geeks is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for Trek Geeks listeners. Fansets. Our pins have character. This episode is also sponsored by Science Division, the makers of the world's first interactive Tribble that you can control with your smartphone. Keep listening for a special Trek Geeks discount code when you adopt a new Tribble at sciencediv.com. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. Hi, this is Michelle Specht. I play Dr. Elise McKenna on Star Trek Continues. Oh my god, I'm totally fangirling right now because I just met Dan Davidson and Bill Smith of the Trek Geeks podcast. Oh my gosh, they are amazing. Podfleet Command Special Afterlife Office in the Delta Quadrant and the Gamma Quadrant and the Alpha Quadrant and the Beta Quadrant all at once. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks Podcast, the flagship of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. So glad to be here for episode number 222. I'm sure my co-host won't be able to say that 10 times fast. Of course, he can barely say it once, medium speed. So, uh, And I, I suppose I should bring him in. Um, he, uh, so we were just talking before the show, and we discovered there's a whole bunch of things that he can't do. Uh, one of them is typically speak behind a microphone. He's <laughs> he's Dan Davidson. You all know by now. Hey, hey, buddy. Hey, man. I am so happy to be here for episode 222. I just can't wait to talk about episode 222. It's going to be two, great. Two, two, two. Two, two, two. Triple two. Two to the third power? No, that wouldn't be two 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 though. That'd be something different. But anyway, no, that, that wouldn't be. <laughs> no. Do you remember the seventies TV show Room Two Twenty Two? No, not at all. Okay, cop show? Nope. School comedy. Show. School show? I don't remember. That. I remember Zoom. Oh, well, okay. that was different. That was on PBS. Yes, it was. Electric Company. Also PBS. Anyway, how are you? No, it wasn't like a learning show. It was a oh. show that took place at a high school. Oh, okay. Sort of like a Beverly Hills Nine Hundred Two One Zero thing. For the seventies. All right. Okay. Great. What does this have to do with Coda? Um, nothing. <laughs> nothing. It is. Uh, it's great to be here. It really is. It's always good. I always love your introductions. I can tell that we're going to have a fun time tonight. We are dealing with an episode that's kind of serious, but we're going to have fun with it. Um, and of course, we are celebrating Voyager 25 still, as we are all year long. So we're going to deep dive here on episode 222. And Bill, we're going to talk about Coda. Yeah, we are. Season three episode. See it or skip it. All three of us gave it a see it. Myself, you, and the wonderful Alan Martinez. You don't even need me. You've gone through my bit and yours. Oh, are you doing that part? Uh, typically, I set you up to name the episode. Uh, I didn't see it in the copy. It's not there. That's just how we've done it for five years. All right. Um, 
So I see, I see how this goes. Yeah. Slowly, you started taking producer duties. Uh-huh. Now you're starting to take host duties. Right. Um, yeah, but you're getting all the good guests, so you know. I, th- I just, I'm glad you said it so that it was on tape, <laughs> recorded, whatever you want to call it. Um, while you're at it, uh, if this is not too much for for you to do, if this is not beneath you, could you please tell people how to get in touch with us? Nah, that's really kind of beneath me. Everything's beneath <laughs> you. But. <laughs> Absolutely. I'd be happy to. Uh, if you are looking to get in touch with us, you can head right on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact, and you'll find a multitude of ways to communicate with Bill or myself. There is Skype chat, there's email, and there's even voicemail by way of that big blue button using SpeakPipe. Whatever way you want to contact us, make it so, because we love hearing from you. Plus, there's also the most positive Star Trek group on Facebook. It's called Camp Kittimer. It's our official group, and it's where over 1,700 friends gather to talk Trek. It's always positive, with no bashing or gatekeeping ever allowed. To join the group, just head on over to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer and be ready to take part of a truly wonderful social experience. And as always, we want to thank our wonderful admins, Haley, Jackie, and Dan, for the amazing job they do running the camp. Also, Bill, I must say, do please remember that any comments or messages you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode. You're on mute. You could tell me that before there's an edit point. That's why I let it go. <laughs> Dan, it's time for the news from treknews.net. <laughs> Spanning the Alpha Quadrant. For all the news on all the Star Treks, yo. It's treknews.net. In serial? <laughs> Online at treknews.net. Dan, first up this week. Um, fans loved seeing Brent Spiner return to the Star Trek universe in season one of Star Trek Picard. And perhaps, I don't know, maybe we'll see him again in season two. Could be. Absolutely. Could certainly be the case, Bill. Last Saturday, June 20th, Sir Patrick Stewart participated in Deadline Hollywood's Contenders television streaming event. And during the panel, Sir Patrick hinted that we have not seen the last of Brent Spiner. Quote, it was very desirable and a very emotional experience to be reunited with Jonathan, with Marina Sirtis, and with Brent Spiner, too. Although he doesn't appear that often, he has a very significant role in Season 1, and maybe he might again in Season 2. But I can say no more than that, sorry to be so coy. End quote. So, um, of course, Spiner returned to Star Trek as Data in three episodes of Picard Season 1 and also played a new character, Dr. Alton Sung, son of Data's creator, Dr. Noonien Sung. And Picard executive producer Akiva Goldsman said earlier this month that the Sung character was introduced to, quote, create a platform for which there could be more Brent in ensuing seasons, end quote. So uh, stay tuned for more Spiner sightings, as it were, Bill. Spiner Sightings, the new podcast coming to the Trek Geeks Network in 2025. Um, I- I'm okay with this. I mean, mm-hmm. there's some people who are like, oh, they're going to keep bringing Spiner back. Well, 
what did you expect they were going to do? This is Star Trek. Every time yeah. we turned around in whatever show, he was playing a different Soong or a different Android for crying out loud. Um, I, I'm, I, I'm all in. I, I, I want to see him more. I liked what he did with all, Dr. Altan Soong. Yep. Uh, and I, I hope that that character makes an appearance or maybe he's got a twin brother. I don't know. We'll find out. I hope we find out. I do too. Hope your face finds out. That makes no sense. Dan, up next, we're both eagerly awaiting the new animated series Star Trek Lower Decks. And while there still is no official release date yet, <laughs> there is some new info coming out. Uh, yes, there is. Let's go, let's go with that release date, right? Uh, last week, Entertainment Weekly gave us a first look preview of the highly anticipated animated series with a couple of screenshots and some info uh, info from show creator Mike McCann. <coughs> Excuse me. I have a frog in my throat. <laughs> Mike McMahon. <laughs> Mike McMahon? Mike McMahon. 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 Ah, I'm Anyway, <laughs> in the article, you can see that the crew is enjoying what appears to be replicated margaritas, which already has earned a special star for me. And he hinted at the possibility of some TNG cameos in the new series. Quote, there's a lot of recognizable characters in the galaxy at that point. Next Gen is my favorite era. And as a huge Trek fan, I would definitely want to try to use some of them so that I could not only build out the world, but also work with some of my heroes. But I can't get more specific than that. You'll have to wait and see, end quote. So that's the second little teaser that people have been throwing us the news this week. Now, it is worth noting that the Entertainment Weekly article is really the first significant promotional effort from CBS about Lower Decks since last summer. So hopefully we'll get some more info and uh, maybe even a trailer soon. That would be very nice, wouldn't it? I have to believe that if Comic-Con were still happening in person in San Diego, they probably would have had something for that. I can only hope they have it for the Comic-Con virtual event uh, or something. Nice. Because here we are, we're, we're more than halfway through, actually, we're almost halfway through 2020. And um, they said 2020. Um, not a whole lot of time left. That's right. Considering Discovery is still being, uh, still working on music and edit, actually, ed Still some editing, although one of the editors has finished his work on Discovery, not all of them. Yeah. So uh, I was hoping for summer. Um, it's summer. Let's go. Yeah, I know. So summer is the time to do these things, you know, we're, especially right now. We're all home, right? It's like yeah. we're not watching TV. I don't know why I couldn't pronounce Mike McMahon's name. I was having like a really bad brain cramp, but, you know, it happens. Your face is a brain cramp. <laughs> and finally, Dan... We just wanted to take one more moment to sincerely thank everyone who helped our cause for Feeding America with their live stream a couple of weeks ago with special guest Jonathan Frakes. Yeah, we really do, man. Uh, we've said it so many times. We are both so humbled at the outpouring of support for this very, very important cause. We had an absolute blast talking to Jonathan, and we hope you enjoyed the conversation. But most importantly, however, is because of you, our listeners, we raised over $5,600 for Feeding America. $5,605.40 to be exact. That's over 56,000 meals to those who are struggling during this still very dangerous pandemic. So thank you very much from the bottom of our hearts. Your generosity and support is appreciated by us and by so many people that we will never have the opportunity to see face to face. No, you're, you're a hundred percent right. It's, it's incredibly amazing. If you think about it, um, with 56,000 meals, that's one meal for every resident of Greenville city, South Carolina. Wow. 
It's enough to give everybody in an entire city one meal. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That is amazing. It's all thanks to the generosity of Star Trek fans and, and obviously to the the kindness and, and generosity of Jonathan Frakes with his time. So right. um, I, I'm still in awe of, of what we were able to do during this pandemic. And uh, I'm so grateful and thankful to everybody that participated. I really am. Fan sets. They are awesome. You know it. I know it. And we want all of our listeners to know it too. They are the best of the best when it comes to the top of the line products as well as customer service. Nowhere else will you find the attention to, de- attention to detail. I can't say that today. I've got, got Dan Davidson disease. <laughs> no, you're not going to find the attention to detail or the personalized support from anywhere else like you do from this team. Whether it's Lou or John or Joe or anyone at Fansets, you know that you're going to be treated like you were their only customer because you are that important to them. Yeah, you couldn't be more correct about that, man. I personally have never seen the kind of appreciation and support that the folks at Fansets give their customers anywhere else. And why not? Like you, they're huge Star Trek fans, as well as so many other genres like DC Comics and Harry Potter, Alien, Firefly, Batman 66 coming soon. They understand what good support means, and since they expect it when they are the consumer, they are sure to provide it when you are their customer. So many great pins and accessories are available right now at fansets.com, and the newest Star Trek pin to add to your collection is the gorgeous Women of Star Trek Nyota Uhura pin. I love the colors in this, man. It's bright green background, reminiscent of those earrings she used to wear on the bridge. The glitter. God, I love the glitter. And the amazing image of our favorite communications officer that only fan sets can bring. It really is a must-have for collectors. It truly is remarkable, and it captures the very essence of Nichelle Nichols. So head on over to fansets.com and put a bunch of pins, including this gorgeous Uhura pin and some accessories and some gift certificates into your cart, because if you spend more than 30 bucks, you're going to get free shipping. Free shipping. Then at checkout, enter the exclusive Trek Geeks discount code for this week, CODA, that's C-O-D-A, on all capital letters, you're going to get 15% off your entire order on top of the free shipping if you spend more than 30 bucks. Wow. This bonus code is going to be available to use until Wednesday, July 1st, 2020 at midnight Eastern Daylight Time. Fansets. Our pins have character. And we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Trek Geeks. Well, Dan, we press on into this week's main body of content, and that is a look at the Star Trek Voyager third season episode, Coda. I think when I originally pitched this episode to do to you, I think you thought I was drunk. <laughs> um, That's a regular day. <laughs> well, it is. <laughs> but I think you thought I was especially hammered that day because why would I want to pick Coda? Yeah, I. Um, uh, it really didn't, you know, light a fire under my chair, so to speak. I'm like, all right, you know, there's some Voyager episodes that I really want to do. And I got to say, Coda was not one that I even thought of writing down. But as usual... A good executive producer knows how to pull the good stories out and talk about them. And you did. And I watched it. Looking forward to talking about how my view may or may not have changed about it. And uh, I got to say, this is a great character episode. 
Mm. Because even though there's not a lot of, I, I mean, it's a very heavy Janeway, kind of heavy Chakotay, but not everybody else. They have their bits and pieces. There's a lot that comes together in this episode about what this crew is like. And I think that's uh, what I like most about it. Well, there's a lot that, that comes together for this crew about what Janeway means to them. Absolutely. And uh, although you kind of get the sense that that they have bonded you know, in the episodes previous to this, you know, the, the two and a half seasons, because I think this is the midpoint of, or yep. it's just past the midpoint of, of season three. You kind of get that sense, but I don't think it's until here that you actually hear people say it. Yeah. And these are things you don't typically hear in Star Trek. You know, we never talked, uh, we never talked about in the original series how much people truly loved Captain Kirk. Mm-hmm. Never. You kind of get the sense with Jean-Luc Picard in Tasha Yar's goodbye hologram when she says he has the, uh, the heart of an explorer and the soul of a poet. Yes. Um, which has always been one of my favorite quotes or descriptions of, of any character in Star Trek. But in this, you, you see the, this crew putting their emotions right there on the table and laying them bare. And I think that's really kind of what is amazing about this episode. And one of the things that most amazing about that is, is I got to admit, I, I watch it a couple of times preparing for this week. The first time the mess hall scene with the memorial, I really felt uncomfortable. Yeah. Because it's like, this is not what you expect in Star Trek with a crew. They don't talk like this, especially Balana. Balana's never one to say, I wish I had said these things to her before. And then we actually had a breakdown from Harry a little bit. Um, Tom goes over and hits him on the shoulder, like, oh, it's okay, buddy. And, and Tom just walks away and can't face him. Second time, I had a much better appreciation and understanding for it. But I got to admit, the first time, I kind of felt a little awkward. I know what you mean. I, I felt uncomfortable, too, because I felt like we were getting a window into something that we shouldn't necessarily be allowed to see. That vulnerability of this crew, which has already been through so much at this point, mm-hmm. and they suffer what is probably their greatest loss and their most significant setback in that moment. Isn't it interesting when you think about it real quick about what we, quote, expect from the characters that we watch with episodes that took place in that time frame, DS9, TNG, Voyager, and even TOS to an extent? And then you look at shows like Discovery and Picard, and it's totally normal to have those type of scenes. I think it's I think it's th- just the change in writing over the decades, I think, is really something that we watch it with Voyager and we're like, oh, that doesn't seem right. But when we see it in Picard, it's like, oh, that's great. No, we really do because we get to see the humanity. Exactly. And that's what this episode puts on display. I mean, in, in, at Trek Boss 2014, when we first – you got together for the first time in like 10 years. Mm-hmm. And we went to our first Star Trek convention together. Garrett Wong was there. Yep. And we talked about how it, he mentioned the dinner that they took the cast out to. And we said, all right, all you human <laughs> people, we want you to dial back the emotion a little bit. Yeah. I, I got the sense from this episode, while they weren't unleashed, they were given a little more leeway from yeah. my perception because uh, they didn't go off the rails, but yet it was this very restrained very angst-ridden sadness and just their heart like their hearts were ripped out of their chest and with this episode i feel it more than a lot of the other ones it's interesting you say that because i think with garrett's performance i saw that holding back you could i actually could sense it didn't sense it with beltran when he was doing his scenes on the planet's surface those were fantastic and it was interesting to see the difference between the two characters and the two actors when they were doing those scenes 
you know, let's let's just segue into Beltran for a second because I love Robert Beltran. I love Chicote. Mm-hmm. I'm an I'm a Chicote apologist, and I I'm going to defend this character a hundred times out of a hundred, except for the fight. Because <laughs> <laughs> let's just face it, that episode's terrible. <laughs> um, the amount of emotion and just raw energy that that Robert Beltran leaves on the screen in those scenes is gut-wrenching. Yeah. You know, because you are feeling what he is feeling. You feel the desperation to save Janeway the first time and the second time. Mm-hmm. But at the second time, you feel his utter despair. Yeah. And that's what it is. It is truly like they took the best part of his life and ripped it out and threw it on the ground and stomped on it. Yep. Um, because he realizes that Janeway is dead. And on the same note, you saw that outpouring of emotion and the screaming, um, don't yeah. die, Catherine. But then to me, one of the most powerful emotional moments is when she dies in the, in the, in sick bay. All he does is he straightens up and he walks out. Yeah. That was what really hit me when that happened. That was, that was just fantastic. Because Great he has, to, because he has to. Yeah. He's a captain now. That's it. He's got yeah. the responsibility of that ship and that crew on his shoulders, much like Riker in Best of Both Worlds Part 2. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Riker would have wanted to just, you know, wither up and collapse and go, oh, my God, Picard's gone. But he didn't have that luxury, and neither does Chakotay. And you know what's interesting is is, is, is I don't say I don't want to say this is something I didn't like about the episode, but one of the things that I would have liked to have seen was a little bit about that burden and what it was like for him. We never really saw that. We saw him give a speech at the memorial service about how the captain wouldn't want us to be down in the dump, so let's have this food that uh, that Neelix made and 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 think about the good times. But you never saw him maybe in his quarters or in the ready room just freaking out in a way that that somebody might be freaking out just becoming captain stranded in in the in yeah. the, uh delta quadrant um that would have been cool to see but i'm not upset that i'm not upset about about it in any means i think they made the right decision in concentrating on tuvok for that in the vulcan way and True. not necessarily chicote because that scene where after Kess leaves mm-hmm. you know they've been searching for her and i'm using air quotes because they're trying to figure out if Kess detects some sort of presence and they realize she's not. And so Tuvok resigns himself to the fact that Janeway is gone and makes a log entry and Janeway is there observing it. And I don't know what's worse hearing Tuvok say the words or seeing Janeway react to it. Oh yeah. Because she is as leveled as he is. I mean, he's leveled in his own way because he's Vulcan. Mm -hmm. He's feeling it. We know he's feeling it because Vulcans have emotions. They just hide them. Yep. But she is laying on the table the emotions for both of them. Let me ask you a question because this is something I've been struggling with to try to uh, ascertain what's going on. All of these scenes, are they fake from the alien or are they real and she's just seeing different, you know – whole things of what you're laughing hysterically. So obviously I must have wanted something that we're going to talk about later. <laughs> well, no, because I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I've watched this episode like three or four times now yeah. in, in preparation for this. I still don't know if the Vidians were really there. Yeah. Any of that stuff. Was it all just something that the, that daddy planted in her mind or, or was it just different time? Loop? I, just, I don't know. It's, it's confusing thinking about. 
Well, it's interesting because when we first saw this episode and, you know, they, they loop back the first time. Mm-hmm. It was enough like cause and effect, but yep. not like cause and effect at all, yep. where you didn't think you were seeing something you'd seen before. And mm-hmm. I really appreciated that about this episode. Yep. I liked how um, right away, the first time it started over again, they both were like, wait Boom. a second. Yeah. What's, something's not right here. And I, I did like that aspect. It wasn't, you know, we didn't have to put a bunch of fours in the computer or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they didn't have to uh, go through three acts until they realized, <laughs> wait a second, we've done this before. Oh, it's about the chip. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like that instantly, but it makes me wonder if, if she really died right there the first time Chakotay revived her and the Vidians weren't there. Um, yeah. Or maybe there I, really was a time loop and, and they, you know, disse- they dissipated it with the tachyon field. But either way, she was choked out by the Vidians the first time. I kind of think that they weren't there because they made it very clear that they had been outside of Vidian space for a long time. Yeah. So I'm thinking that the alien father guy, whatever his name was, um, used past memories to try to get the story going so she would cross over. Um, that's just off the top of my head right now as we're talking about it. Admiral Janeway? Well, well, yeah, but he's not really Admiral <laughs> I thought that was an interesting choice to use her father. Um, and, of course, they, they they selected an actor who just has immediate gravitas. Mm. Um, I, I always screw up his last name, so I'm going to butcher it. Len Carew, uh, who, is, who spent lots of time on Broadway. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy is, he's established, he's respected. I thought he was the perfect father figure for Janeway. Yeah. Um, but I had to, I have to believe that the aliens chose a father figure on purpose mm-hmm. because of what he meant to Janeway to sort of maybe get her to cross over her a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. I gotta say, I, I, I really dug the Admiral's uniform from the time frame that he was representing. I really enjoyed yeah. that a lot. Very reminiscent actually of the Picard uniforms, a little bit different in types of shapes and, and, and triangles, but I like the gold braid and I like the, the Admiral bars and stuff like that. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. He was, um, he, he, uh, he held up every scene that he was in pretty damn well. I gotta say he was good. Well, and toward the end, he seems a r- really kind of nefarious and evil. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, once she's figured it out, you know, I, I think that the whole time she's, she's uncertain to begin with. I think she has, I think she's health. She's a healthy skepticism, mm-hmm. but it's not until a certain point where she's like, yeah, no, you're not my dad. Yeah. Like, yep. Go screw. This yeah. doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and he, he gets, his voice gets gritty, I think in a couple of sentences yeah. and you can see that he's getting mad, but he can't do anything. About it. That's one of the things of the writing I liked about this. He couldn't force her to do anything. She had to want to do it. And I liked how they had that. He, he had that kind of barrier so that he was unable to actually do it himself. Um, interesting. And, and I got to say, man, oh, I want to find out more about these, the species. I do too. I really feel like this is a wasted opportunity in a way. They're kind of like death vampires because, you know, in vampire lore, you have to invite them in. Mm-hmm. In this case, you kind of have to willingly go with them. Right. And you have to make the decision to go. They can't just take you. Yeah. Which is interesting to me. I think that this could have been a, a really interesting alien species to revisit. But, I mean, it asks a whole bunch of other questions. Um, are they only in the Delta Quadrant? Um, have 
have humans been encountering them for eons and we just didn't know it? Yeah. Is the concept of an afterlife really these aliens? I think that this episode had the potential to be incredibly subversive and make some incredible commentary beyond what it does, but it could have been long lasting. And I'm sure that it, it would have, it would have made some statements. I think that would have just shook people. I was shaken by some of the things that he said when he was explaining how he went through the same thing and people have always talked about spirits or ghosts or forms of energy. And I'm like, oh my God, these people, these creatures have been around for all eternity all over the universe. That's how I took it, that these could possibly be what people think of when people pass on and they're visited by their loved ones. That they're not really loved ones. They're just aliens who want to feed off of you. <laughs> well, well, that's it. I mean, well, let's, uh, let's you know, adapt this into the real world. I mean, from my own perspective, I don't believe in ghosts. I don't believe in, in, in spirits. I don't believe in haunted things. All these ghost chasing shows on TV, I think, are complete BS. Um, uh, they even say, well, you know, no, nobody's the, the way to detect us hasn't been invented yet, even in the future. <laughs> um, but, I also don't believe in an afterlife. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that anything happens. I think that you just sort of close your eyes and that's it. But watching this episode, it made me go, huh. Mm. So what if? Yeah. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. And this probably was not the best week for me to have this particular realization. That's right. I was actually going to bring that up as um, yesterday was the anniversary of your mom's passing as well as her birthday. Yes. And when we were talking about doing this episode, you actually mentioned it. And I was like, oh, bleep, this is not the right time to be talking about this. Um, did that did that have any um, impact while you were watching this? A little bit. I tried to put myself in Janeway's shoes and I tried to imagine, well, what if that were my mom instead of Janeway's dad? You know, I tried to approach it from that aspect. Um, Let's assume for the moment that, you know, what happened to Janeway is what happened. Okay. Well, for for the the purposes of, of this discussion, okay. let's just stipulate for the record that what happened to Janeway is what happens. Mm-hmm. That's okay. the concept of an afterlife. All right. Would I go? And I, I, I don't know that I'd be as bold as Janeway. I think that because of the comfort yes. and, you know, my mom was my superhero growing up. I mean, she could do anything. Um, I think that out of a desire to want to see and please my mom, I think I would have gone. And I think that's exactly what Janeway's dad was trying to trade on. That's why I think this episode hits so many springs. Now, I, I believe differently than you, which is fine. We each have yep. our different opinions. Yep. I, I do believe in stuff like that. And and um, um, the ghost shows, maybe not as much, um, absolutely, <laughs> because I kind of poke them. Um, but isn't that perfect? We can sit there and watch a TV show. And be like, oh, yeah, she's not going to believe him. Come on. That's just ridiculous. But if it really happens, if I unfortunately had lost one of my parents and then all of a sudden they're showing up saying, it's great over here. Come with me. We'll be happy. And it's a, it's a wonderful place. I can't really say that I'd stand there and say, no, I want to see what happens with all my friends here. I'm not going anywhere with you. It's a real tough decision to probably yeah. have to make if it were to happen for real. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Um, and. I, I didn't think about that when we juggled the schedule uh, the way we did because we were supposed to code last week. Right. 
Um, and so when I saw it on the, the, the schedule for this week, I'm like, oh, man. Yeah. Oh, this was a bad idea. But in hindsight, I think it actually, this is going to sound weird. I think it enhanced my viewing of this episode and allowed me to look at it a little more clearly. Oh, good. Oh, that's good to hear. At least I think so. Yeah. Um, you know, I, we could get six months in for this. I'm going to, I'm going to, I have no idea what I'm doing, man. Um, <laughs> it's uh, like I said, it's, it's, it's easy to be distant from it when it's just characters on a TV screen. But if you really sit and put yourself in that perspective in that, in that situation with that perspective of a loved one that you've lost and really looked up to, and then all of a sudden you got to think of, Oh my God, what would I do? That would not be an easy thing for. I don't think I would have been able to do what Janeway did. I no. really don't. Yeah, which I tells mean, especially us, especially if if I had to sit and see what was going to happen to you, I'd be like, "Let's go, mom." Okay. Yeah, which tells us a lot about Janeway, which we'll discuss on the next block. Yeah. But one of my favorite things about this episode is just it is one of Jerry Taylor's finest scripts. This episode doesn't get a lot of love because I think a lot of people think it's mid-season filler, mm-hmm. but there are so many layers to this script that I just didn't respect it before. And man, I sure as hell do now. Well, I'll tell you what, one of the things that we actually talked about is how has my view changed about this? Because when we talked about for us doing it, I was like, huh? Why? Yeah. And that's exactly why. I mean, when I, what I remember about this episode from watching it in the past before preparing for the podcast is this is, I'm so sick of these type of aliens that just come and feed off of people's memories and want to take you and blah, blah, blah. I just, I'm like, I don't, I don't have any interest in it. Oh, and it's a time loop story on top of that and things are happening over and over again. Okay, this is a waste of time. God, dude, I don't feel like that at all anymore. That's one of the things I love about Voyager is that with the rewatching and being older, the appreciation I have for episodes like this is exponentially higher. Absolutely. You know, I, I, this episode I don't think would get made today. I think that people would shy away from this. And mm. I think that it wouldn't be told with the nuance and the sort of look that, that this requires. And I think that's largely because television isn't episodic for the most part anymore. Right. This only works in an episodic series. You can't take this over a 12 episode arc and deal with it because it's not the same story. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's, um, it, let me bring up one aspect of that, which I think they really missed. Yeah. In regards to this. Totally. And that's this alien talked about bringing her over and feeding off of her for a long period of time. This could have been a really bad dude, bad race, bad enemy for the crew, or more than just the crew, depending on where they are in the galaxy and universe. And we never saw him again, never heard from him again. And I think that was a big mistake. You want to talk about more soulless than the Borg? Oh. You want to talk about more evil than the Borg? You want to talk about a bigger threat, say, than species 8472, yeah. potentially? They feed off your love and then eat you. Yeah. <laughs> what, if this, what if the species develops a way to just grab people? Yeah. You know? Um, I, I thought that there was a lot here. In a way, there's part of me that's glad they didn't go back to this, although I wish they had. Um, yeah. I think that this could have been some really inspired storytelling. Uh, I'm glad we have the hour we have. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. uh, because I think it is uh, for me. It's one of one of the best Voyager episodes I've ever watched. 
what's the episode of TNG where they all lose their memories and then there's one uh, Macduff is is actually a Lesepian? Is that what he is? I forget. I think so. I think it's Conundrum. Yeah, Conundrum, exactly. And they phaser him at one point and you see what he really looks like. I, I I like special effects. I like I like seeing aliens in Star Trek, even though I may not like what some of the alien stories are like. I would have loved at some point to see exactly what this alien race looked like because you talked about it. They're like death vampires. It would have been so cool. Stick with me because this does have a joke at the end of it. Um, <laughs> it would have been so great is if they if somehow she were able to do some scan where you saw him. And he really cause was kind of like death, but it was Bill Sadler from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And he's like, you sank my battleship. Sorry. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Sorry. Hey, hey, we've had him on the show. I can talk about him. <laughs> but in all seriousness, it would have been cool to see some kind of terrifying looking creature being this alien manifestation of, of what the Admiral was. Oh, I, I don't disagree. Yeah. Um, I, I still think that this is some pretty subversive storytelling for uh, network television in yeah. the mid-1990s. Which is why they um, may not have done that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, we want to take a moment and talk about our friends at Science Division, makers of the world's first interactive Tribble. You know, they uh, recently had their Connected Community Con, and it was such a huge success success that this coming Friday, June 26th, they're going to have a special online discussion with the 24-year-old Trekkie. That's right. At 7 p.m. Eastern Time this Friday, you can join Science Division's Jay and Kalia, along with our own Ali Martinez for Tribble Talk. It's an informal, Zoom-based conversation about how our fandom has shaped our lives. In this casual setting, participants will be able to contribute throughout the conversation and to add their own stories. The Zoom link will be posted on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and at sciencediv.com at 6.45 p.m. Eastern Time on Friday. You know, that sounds like it's going to be a fantastic discussion. I'm looking forward to it already. You know, I think one of the things I love about Science Division is that their fandom shows. I mean, not just online, but also in their product. I got to say, these interactive tribbles are one of a kind, and they are only available through Science Division. They're soft, they make a pleasant sound, and you don't even need storage compartments full of quadro triticale to take care of them. Storage compartments? Storage compartments? Sorry. <laughs> the what, the what? The what, the what? <laughs> now, you can buy your Tribble right now at sciencediv.com. And when it arrives, you can download the Section K7 app on your iOS or Android phone. You can name your Tribble, and you can even choose what ship it's going to be assigned to. And, of course, whether you use the app or not, your new Tribble will be such a great addition to your Trek collection. The Tribbles have three modes. At ease, where they are happy and content, like me. On duty, which is a random mix of happy and angry sounds like Bill, and Watchdog. When that happens, let's just say there are probably Klingons around. The app also has an attack button, which makes your Tribble scream on demand at friends, family, or executive producers. Your choice. Allegedly. (laughs) Now, anyone who listens to Trek Geeks and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network knows that we are huge supporters of small business, especially during this time of COVID-19. Science Division is exactly that. They're a small business made up of a husband and wife and Jay and Kalia. So why not support their small business and order your Tribble right now? And hey, if you order your Tribble today, Science Division is giving Trek Geeks listeners a special $5 off the adoption of your Tribble. Head on over to sciencediv.com to place your order. Now, normally these furry little creatures go for $69.99, but if you enter the special code, not dangerous, you will get $5 off your order. 
This offer code is now valid until July 1st, 2020 at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. Science Division. Trouble's never been this fun. And we thank our friends at Science Division for sponsoring this week's episode. So back to CODA. CODA. Um, I want to talk a little bit about that memorial service because we mentioned earlier that it was like getting the chance to peek in at something we weren't supposed to see. Right. And that is because so much emotion just gets laid bare. You know, we see these Starfleet officers hurting. Mm-hmm. And that's that's not typically how we view our crew. I think that probably the testimonial, uh, I, I wanted to, I'm not quite sure what phrase to use because it's just so so rare mm-hmm. that affected me the most probably was was Bolanas. Um and she talks about how Janeway saw something in her that she didn't see. She saw a worthwhile person, quote, where I was just a lost and hostile misfit. And because she had faith in me, I began to have faith in myself. Um, I think that says a lot about Bolana, honestly. Mm-hmm. You know, we've always known that she's had, you know, this sort of rage streak because of her Klingon self. But, you know, she, she talks about in, in the episode Faces how she just never really liked her Klingon half. But here what you get is almost something that's borderline uh, self-loathing. She refers to herself as a misfit because she's, you know, of two worlds. Mm-hmm. And that really kind of bothered me while I heard her talk about it because that's not how we view Bellana. Right. And we've we've seen her have these struggles before as we watched the show, the show. But what I took out of that, and I agree with you, I think hers was the most powerful one. I talked a little bit about Harry's scene kind of, kind of inside a little bit too much. It wasn't fully out there for everyone to see. This was as out there as you could possibly get for her to not only admit those things about herself, but for me to admit those things in front of the entire crew yeah. was a huge step for Bellana and how she is, um, how she feels about not only herself, but of being part of this crew. I thought it was really a, a special moment, not for the relationship between Janeway and Bellana, but just for Bellana herself. Oh, absolutely. I mean, although you do get some semblance of that, that relationship, but it all goes back to what Janeway means. And in Bellana's case, it was somebody that not only gave her confidence, but strength and compassion. Yeah. In, I think in many ways, Janeway was the mother that Bellana wished she'd had. Yeah. We get that a little more directly with Seven when Seven joins the cast because it is it is more of a parent-child relationship at first. But I don't know that Bellana necessarily thought it was like that. Uh, I don't know. What, what do you think? I don't. Uh, I, not at first, anyway, because, I mean, she said it even in this in the speech that she had. You know, for the longest time, she thought January was purposely setting her up to fail. Yeah. She made her chief engineer so she could fail. She did this so she could fail. She wanted a maquis to be running things so she could fail. I thought that that was an interesting way that she looked at, at Janeway. And I remember very vividly conversations that they had in season one about when she became chief engineer and how upset she was and how she thought that Janeway was just doing this to show some purpose that the maquis weren't important or something along those lines. And she took, you know, she, she really, she really looked at at it again as time went on and realized that no, she wasn't doing it for those reasons. She was doing it because she wanted to succeed. And she had that, she had that strength, um, about Bellana that Bellana didn't have in herself. Absolutely. You know, I think about Harry Kim's speech on the tears, you know, when I, when I, I watch it back and I, and I read it, um, 
I think Bolana's is far more emotional than Harry's is because as much as, uh, don't get me wrong, I love Garrett Wong. Mm-hmm. I like the Harry Kim character. I've, I've stated that many times. Yep. This speech really is kind of Wesley Crusher-ish. <laughs> like teenage Wesley Crusher. Yeah, it really is. Yep. Um, she'd want us to be cheering each other up, remembering the good times. Like that away mission, we all found those bushels of overripe fruit. I must have yeah. eaten half a kilo, <laughs> and my hands and mouth were all purple. And the captain, the captain came down and sat next to me, and her mouth was all stayed too. Oh my goodness. She put her arm around my shoulder and said, she said, Ensign, these are times we have to remember <laughs> stuff. Starfleet. We don't lie. <laughs> um, I, I wanted Harry's dialogue to be more impactful or at least equally as impactful as Bellana's. Yeah. Now, I think Garrett's delivery on it really changes the tone of this remembrance. I think because it is emotional when he tells it. Mm-hmm. If I just read it off the page, I'm like, really? Yeah. But I think that's a, a credit to Garrett's performance in this particular scene um, where you know that that memory means the world to him. Was it was it that scene? Was it that speech where Janeway had tears coming down her? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that was, that was, for me, that was the moment of the episode when you saw her eyes welling up and then you just saw one on one side, then one on the other. That was great, and I couldn't remember if it was during Bolana's or or Harry's speech, but yeah, that was definitely um, that was definitely tough. And then, of course, I don't know what it is. I mean, I can't watch a, a car commercial without crying sometimes <laughs> because you know it gets all emotional, and it's like, oh my god! It's, uh... I used to bust on my sister for crying at a Folgers coffee commercial for the last forty years, and now it's like <laughs> I see this, and immediately Janeway's tears, you know, yep. eyes will up with tears. My eyes will up with tears. I'm like, we're all crying. Stop it. <laughs> okay, you want to talk about something that won't make you cry? Yeah. Wow, was the doctor evil? <laughs> I meant, to, I meant to bring that up in the last segment. Oh, I, my God. So that scene starts off very solemn. Yeah. And, okay, so there's Janeway. She's got the phage. You see it affecting her. You see it on her face. And then the doctor goes from, oh, I've got some bad news, to, uh, it's going to get a whole lot worse, Katie. <laughs> Katie, bar the door. Just breathe. Breathe easy. It'll be easier. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to euthanize you now. I'm like, what? Wow. And the look on his face is just, oh, that is that is harsh. <laughs> it's like, harsh. Are, are you freaking kidding me? Yeah. That was good Bob Picardo right there. I, oh, it was <laughs> it was masterful. Yeah. I mean, I, that's that's sort of the, you know, the the obvious tell to the audience that it's not real. And that's probably where Janeway starts to realize it, too, mm-hmm. because the doctor wouldn't do that. Yeah, right. It's just, it's not in his program, but man, that scene, when you first watch it, it's like, what <laughs> What am I watching? You kind of expect, I was kind of expecting something to happen to be like, okay, so it's not really, no, yeah, she died. <laughs> That's what would happen in the mirror universe. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. He. Oh, yeah. That would, yeah. After he does like, you know, experiments. Right. Yeah, that was a, that was a, that was a great, we talk about them before and, and, and they seem to have more than than I remember, but it was a great out of your shell moment for Bob Picardo was the doctor. And I liked it. Oh, I, I love it. Anytime our characters get to step outside the normal yeah. confines of their character. Mm-hmm. Um, that just, that really kind of was the cherry on top of the Sunday in this episode. Yeah. Um, the fact that he got that particular scene, which makes you literally makes your jaw drop. Um, it, uh, it, it was something else, man. I got to tell you. Yeah. Um, 
Chakotay, uh, we talked about a little bit earlier, his response during the memorial service was predictable. And I mean that in a positive way. Mm-hmm. You know, when he says, you know, Harry's right, the captain wouldn't want us to remember it this way. You know, she wouldn't want us to, you know, mourn her or whatever. We wouldn't want to be moping around. Um, so let's get back to work and honor Janeway that way. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. Did he have four pips on at that point? I don't believe he did. I think he still had his provisional Maquis pips. Okay. Um, but it, it goes back to his leadership and what I would expect, um, knowing that he was the one who was probably the most affected of all. And you can't let everybody see that. No, not as a captain. You don't know. Yep. You, you don't get that, that opportunity. Right. That second death scene that Janeway goes through where he is just holding her as tight as he can. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that really is the moment that sticks with me throughout this whole episode because um, if there's anything that solidifies the respect and the bond that those two characters have, separate from whether or not you think that those characters have been in a relationship this whole time with the whole JC shipping thing, mm-hmm. which I don't subscribe to, but enough people do, and that's fine. Um, for me, it came down to respect. And he has the ultimate respect for Catherine Janeway. Is this the greatest respect that a first officer has for a captain in this in the whole uh, universe, Star Trek universe? Um, it's certainly the most visible display, I think. Yep. Um, except, people, well, I don't know, Kira. Well, but, but that's what I was going to say. Kira, she's got a religious annotation to her that's respect it. for him. That's it. Yeah. So yep. it's Kira kind of does, but it's a little different because Cisco's a right. religious icon, right? Yeah, and you see that in the episode where he's hurt on the bridge yep. and she's talking to him. Yeah, because um, that just popped in my mind as you were talking about how his reaction was, and I'm like, I don't remember seeing a a um, a relationship between a first officer and a captain this intimate, but not the word intimate as some people might take it. Yeah, yeah, it was it was incredibly intimate, and one of the things I'm I'm glad for is they give us those little moments with those characters. Mm-hmm. There are times when you see moments like that. There are times like with um, uh, Equinox where, yep. you know, Chakotay is the voice of reason and Janeway has lost her damn mind. Right, right. And he's ready to challenge her. Yep. They enjoy a relationship that no other captain and first officer have in Star Trek. Yeah, you see that in Scorpion when uh, when they're talking about the, the, the um, going, becoming friends with the Borg for, to, to, uh, fight eight four seven two, and then you also see the other side of the spectrum when they're on the planet when they have the disease and they build a little house together. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I love great, that really, episode. That's a great episode. We got to do that one for Voyager twenty five. Okay, write it down. Uh, you seem to be taking all the producer duties anyway. So. <laughs> um, ultimately, this episode is great because of what other characters tell us about what Catherine Janeway means to them. Mm-hmm. To her crew, I think that she means more than she ever realized. And kind of like in an almost a Christmas Carol type way, she gets to realize it. Mm -hmm. Um, This is kind of like Voyager's version of a Christmas Carol meets um, uh, cause and effect. Nice. In a way. I like that. Um, I, I appreciate that they give her that. I appreciate that that character gets informed for those things because she's going to carry that forward. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that the crew doesn't know. Because she really is the glue that holds the whole thing solid. Yep. And I, I got to wonder, and, and I haven't, I don't, I don't recall, 
but after this episode, if there is kind of a different relationship between Janeway and everybody, knowing what she experienced during this whole thing, um, because it's episodic television, I'm kind of thinking probably not, but I'm sure there are moments when it does seem to shine through a little bit more. I think some of the closeness or, or some of the relationships are, are built a little more because Jerry Taylor. Right. Um, she's one of Star Trek's greatest writers, you know, throughout history. And, um, I have to believe that, that, that this influences some of that down the road, even though it's episodic. Mm -hmm. But I, I think what this episode tells us is what Janeway means to us as fans. And when I started my, my initial watch through to try to finally get through Voyager, this is really the episode that kind of turned the tide for me on Janeway. Interesting. This is the one that started to get me thinking about her in a different light because of, because of the quality she possesses and because of the mark that she leaves on these people in her crew. Up until then, she was just, eh, all right, she's the captain. But after this one, damn, she's the captain. Yeah, she's the captain and she's still the mother of the crews. I don't mean to say that tongue in cheek. Right, right. She really has, she really feels the weight of that responsibility on her shoulder and shoulders. And it, it really shows. And I think after this episode, knowing what she saw with all of these people, whether it was real or not is another situation. Um, but I think that also intensifies that responsibility that she feels throughout the rest of the series. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that um, I think it's it's a masterful job in writing and directing and acting. Everything about this episode for me works, with the exception of just a couple of odd questions like we addressed earlier. Like, were the Vidians really there? Yeah. Um, could they have had this scene instead of that scene? I think this is one of the standout episode, episodes of Voyager's third season. Quite honestly, I do as well. Now, like I said back in the day, I would not have said that, but right. looking at it with fresh eyes and 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 knowing the appreciation that I have for the series and the characters, it absolutely is. It's like I said at the beginning of the podcast, it's an immensely successful character building episode. And I think that's very important. Without question. So I really only have like one other point to ponder. And that is so, you know, we have this alien that takes the, the form of a figure that was near and dear to her, probably the most impactful human in her, in her life growing up, mm -hmm. her father. And this alien specifically preys on the concept of death. He portrays it sort of as like the nexus. But does this make it closer to the concept of hell? Well, she referred to it as hell at the end of the episode. She at did. At the end of the episode. She did. Um, now, was that because of how it looked behind him with kind of like the fire and brimstone coming right. out of that out of that? Um, distortion, um, quite possibly. But that's a very, very good question. I find it really interesting that these aliens are able to not force Catherine, and we'll use Catherine in this instance, yep. to, to do, not force her to do anything, but yet they can read into her mind because he was telling all kinds of stories about when she was a kid and when he really died and this, that, and the other thing. He in knew her everything. Room by herself. That's some pretty powerful, that's a pretty powerful alien right there with some really powerful restrictions at the same time. Yes. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, Hell Nexus. You know, it's interesting because as I was watching this episode this week, it kept bringing me back to one of the central themes of Star Trek, the motion picture. 
Um, you know, when Spock is lying in the bio bed in, in sick bay and, and Kirk comes up to him and he grabs his hand and says, Vidra can't understand this. Mm-hmm. And he holds Kirk's hand, you know, in a, and sort of, uh, holds their fists together, you know, it can't understand this simple touch. You know, is, is this all I am? Is there nothing more? And I kept coming back to that one particular line. Is, is this all there is? This particular existence? It kind of forces us to look at the question of what happens after. Voyager dealt with this a little bit in the season one episode, Emanations, mm-hmm. uh, with dealt with the belief in an afterlife, which Harry Kim destroys. Right. <laughs> nice job, Harry. <laughs> it may as well be called Harry Destroys the Afterlife for an Entire Alien Species. <laughs> Part one. But I, I really have to say, I, this is why I think this episode is so subversive, because um, it, it makes the statement that if there is an afterlife, oh, yeah, it's because of the aliens. I'll tell you what. Deep Space Nine made religion a huge part of the yeah. series. Yeah. This episode could be a huge religious episode if people wanted to think of it that way. This could either really help with people's ideas or it could really shoot them to hell, no pun intended, about what an afterlife could be like. In my head canon now, because you just said this and this just happened in this instant, that alien is the same alien that makes up the Paw Wraith. Boom. Oh, oh that is fantastic. What if? Man, what, what if? if? Right. If they're everywhere and they can read your thoughts and pull out your memories and make you see and th- see and do things that you wouldn't normally do, Paw Wraiths do that. This guy did that. That's totally justifiable possibility. Or what if it's something akin to the Paw Wraith? You yeah. Know? What if it's it's something related? What if what the Paw Wraith are an evolution of this alien? Mm-hmm. I think, wow, that just totally blows my mind now that wow. you brought that up. That's You're really well- You're good. You're welcome. Wow. So we want to know your thoughts on Coda. I mean, this is a this is a deep episode, and it's really hard not to dive in and get it stuck in the weeds on this topic. We try to keep Trek Geeks light, um, and you can only keep an episode like this so light. <laughs> but what do you guys think? Let us know on social media or drop us a line or a voicemail. Um, but uh, yeah, that's Coda, man. Coda. It's a great, great episode. Speaking of Coda, did you know that Coda is a musical term? I didn't. And all of the music on this here podcast, oh. Dan? Provided by Five Year Mission. What's the definition for segue? <laughs> that, my friend. <laughs> that. Five Year Mission is amazing music. They're writing one song for each episode of the original series. And these are not these are not parodies. These are not ripoffs of, of other songs. They're not uh, they're not doing Michael Scott song parodies like Achy Breaky Fart. No. These are <laughs> you gotta watch The Office. You really do. Um these are original compositions that enhance the episodes that make you look at Star Trek in a completely different way. So we want everyone to head on up to fiveyearmission.net, get a copy of all their CDs, mail them to your house. They'll be there in a GIF. You can listen to all these songs and find out what we're talking about, what we've been talking about for five years. So that's fiveyearmission.net. Become a huge fan of Five Year Mission because we sure are. Yeah, we definitely are. I got to say, though, man, this is kind of creepy and not this is just complete coincidence, and I really mean that, okay? Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, man, but I feel like we've been here talking about this before. What? I, I feel like we've had this conversation. Uh, I feel that we've played the drums to this song over and over and over again. You know, oh, maybe my. It's, maybe it's deja vu. Maybe it's all in my head. 
maybe we're stuck in a temporal causality loop and only the number five, as in five-year mission, will save us. And maybe that dude from Cheers can help us out too. Yeah, you guessed it. I can tell by the look on your face. It's cause and a farked. <laughs> cause and a farked. Get it? That's a time loop story. We did Coda. It was time. I wish there were a time loop to take us back to 45 seconds ago where I could just delete this entire thing. <laughs> but then we'd just do it again because it's cause and a fart. No, I would break the time loop <laughs> because I'm smart and I make things go. That one's for you, Rhea. <laughs> Packlets on Trek Geeks. Um, FiveYearMission.net. Please go get all their CDs. Yeah. We promise you'll love it. Of course, we want to remind everyone listening that you too can support the Patreon for the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. There you can see the new designs for both our brand new annual supporters pin for 2020 and the 2020 t-shirt, as well as get some unedited audio of every single last one of our podcasts, Dan. And there are some additional perks. That's a lot of podcasts. Yes, uh, we want to take a moment right now, though, to thank our associate producers for Trek Geeks. We are just so grateful for their continued support. So thank you, Adam Sanders, Brandon Everidge, Heather Sohn, John Krikorian, Rick Tatro, Trey Womack, Sean Lynn, Tim Robertson, Tim Serdar, Vikram Bhatt, Greg Rozier, Andy Fark, Kimberly Francis, Ron Robel, Brooke Horton, Jim McMahon, Luke Burnham, Eric Sakian, Lisa Tomlinson, Jamie McGregor, Brad DeMag, William Edward M. Jr., Dave Andrews, Aaron Molenkoff, Jonathan Hamilton, and the gracious and wonderful Gomez Hutchins. <laughs> you almost ventured into Ringo Starr territory there. Oh, I, that would not have been on purpose, believe you me. But I got my mind set on you. That's George Harrison, you idiot. See, I'm always on you, <laughs> We also want to thank our Trek Geeks producers for their support. They are. Ken Tripp, Casey Shafsky, Charlie Mulvey, Chris Trebuzio, Craig Ewing, Eric Extreme, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Leonel Marchand, some guy named Matt McGonigal, I don't know, Mike Bovia, Sean O'Halloran, Peter Craig, Ken Bird, Jamie Rogers, David Hood, Rachel Delaney, Kyle Castillo, Chaz Bradshaw, Kimberly Hartman, Christina Werther, Steph Lesque, and the lovely and talented Jess Fashon. I saw an eagle. I saw an eagle. Yes, absolutely. You too can become a producer of the Trek Geeks Network, and it is just so easy to do. Head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks today for all the details. Dan, next week we have a special audio version of a recent live stream we did with a very special guest. Indeed we do, Bill. Indeed we do. It was an absolute joy and pleasure to welcome Jonathan Frakes to the Trek Geeks Podcast Network a couple of weeks ago as we held a live stream fundraiser for Feeding America's COVID-19 Response Fund. Our expectations were blown away as we raised over $5,600 to help those in need. Did you miss the live stream? Well, as Sarek would say, worry not. We have our full and unedited discussion with Captain Riker himself next week on Trek Geeks, the flagship of the Trek Geeks podcast network. I just have to reiterate how grateful we are for the kindness and generosity, not only of Jonathan Frakes, but of each and every person that donated to our Feeding America live stream, and also the folks that are our Patreon donors each and every month. These are unprecedented times, and the fact that everybody has turned out and shown so much support, not just for us, but for those in need, really tells us that the best of humanity is still out there, man. That's, that's good to hear, because there have been times during this whole thing where I've kind of questioned if we're ever going to get there, and... Uh, and um, seeing what happened with the live stream and seeing what happens with our supporters just kind of puts that to bed. So I'm back on I'm back on board, buddy. 
100%. Of course, for more great Star Trek discussion, please, please check out the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. You can find them all, including where to listen, by visiting trekgeeks.com slash listen. And of course, for all the news on all the Star Trek CO, please visit our great friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode number 222 of the Trek Geeks Podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Maybe if I stand with a coconut on my head, you could phaser it off. <laughs> Sounds great. If I miss, I get to be captain. Maybe you could stand with a coconut up your ass. Wow. Ouch. <laughs> Music for Trek Geeks is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing one song for each episode of the original series. Download their music at fiveyearmission.net. Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast, is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producer Bill Smith. For even more Star Trek discussion, check out Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and DiscoveringTrek.com. Bing bong! No, no, no. None bing this... bong. Thank you. Thank yes. You. I was wondering. I said, none of this bing to the bong crap. I wasn't going to do that. I have not done that since you pointed out that I did it. And I like last week? That... No, it's been a couple <laughs> weeks now. Come on now. Don't put words in my mouth. Don't put words to the mouth. <laughs> I hope you choke. <laughs> I got my great fruit martini again. Brooke, this one's for you. <laughs> so can I just say that mm. um, when we started doing this podcast five years ago. Yeah. You and I would record from our various locations, me in New Hampshire, you in Maine, and we'd both be sweating bullets Mm -hmm. by the time we were done this time of year. Right. Um, uh, I am comfortably ensconced in a meat locker right now. Oh. um, Because the air conditioner is on in the window. You probably can't hear it. No. But um, I am uh, am happy that those days are long behind us. Long gone. I've got the central air right at my foot. So if I get a little warm, I just put my foot over it. I get a little coldness on my foot. (laughs) Cold foot, so to speak. Uh, cold feet. Cold. I got cold feet. <laughs> I run so, circles around you. <laughs> sorry. Every now and then we pop in a Jerky Boys references because when we first met, Jerky Boys 4 was out. Can I tell you? And you, we were listening to it endlessly. Endlessly. And you know who loves the Jerky Boys? No. My Jerky Father. <laughs> and whenever we start talking about Jerky Boys, if we're in a gathering of people, he's like, ah, ah, and he stops and he pulls out his phone. And everybody gets pissed at him. And he'll, like, start playing it full volume. Uncle Freddy died? <laughs> and he just thinks that is the funniest thing. <laughs> I just want to punch him right in his Adam's apple. <laughs> Your father also thinks you're funny. So, I mean, we know that ship has sailed. Wow. I'm not wrong. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. He's never going to listen to this. No. He doesn't even know how a podcast is. Apple didn't fall apart from the tree, did it? Say, <laughs> neither does his son. <laughs> Five years ago. Six years ago. Well, it was six years ago. We went to Trek Boss, mm-hmm. and we had the infamous conversation that mm-hmm. was, no, it's a podcast. I told that story this week on. Yes. I was on a, a, uh, a yes. recorded panel for Virtual Trek Con. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is being hosted by uh, Ryan Husk and Ciroc Lofton from Star nice. Trek Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. It was me and uh, some of our favorite people, Jar from Women at Warp. Awesome. Uh, Brandon Shamutala from mm. Melodic Treks. Yep. Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek, and me. So three really good people and me. Yeah. Yep. Well, five if you count Ryan. Well, I, no, I was just talking about guests. <laughs> 
It's not my guess. <laughs> Ciroc was awesome. Ryan did a great job. Nice. When you have that many people and it's an hour thing, I mean, it's you got to move it very, you know, it's got to mm-hmm. be tight. And, and Ryan moves it along extremely well. So yep. uh, that's going to be sometime during the week of July 15th through 20th, I think, I, Virtual Truck Con is. I believe so, yeah. So you told the story about the, uh, the, the meeting in Boston, did you? Well, yeah, I, I said, nice. you know, we, we talk about how we got going and what did we know now that we wish we'd known then and that kind of deal and what should people watch out for? And of course, the first thing I talked about was negative feedback because mm. our very first piece of email was, right. um, Boy, you guys should be more like Mission Log because they're a great podcast and you could right. learn a lot from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. And here we are later still in Mission Log shadow. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, John Champion's got a big shadow, so. Well, no, because he's, he's really kind of small. I know, but then when the sun's at the right angle, it just makes them kind of squarish. Dude needs a cheeseburger, <laughs> which I think we could talk him into. You could put it in his ascot. <laughs> in the crevasse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Paisley shirt with his cufflinks, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> love John. Oh, God. I love that guy so much. He's awesome. Um, oh, well. Anyway. Ooh. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, um, I got to tell you, these grapefruit martinis have fast become my favorite. Um, yeah, have one right now. I'm not a big fan of grapefruit. I never used to be until I started these things. <clears throat> you know, because if I if I want to drink grapefruit juice, I'm going to put gin in it, and okay. uh, I don't. I'm not really. Uh, those days are behind me. All right, that's fine. You know what else I did today? Uh, first, I'm guessing nothing. For the first time, I started brining a pork belly to make my own bacon. <laughs> Interesting jalapeno, jalapeno bacon, brother. Oh, see, now, why do you need to modify the bacon? That's it's part. Of, it was the recipe. Is this that everybody? Is this a to. goddamn Guy Fieri recipe? Because I'm going to drive over yeah, there and cough on you. It's not, but um, everybody, we all talked about it, and I bought the pork belly and I cut it in half, and one of them is regular, and one of them's jalapeno, and I put all the brine together for the jalapeno today. We, what is this we crap? Me and the Alex Trebek fan. And the brother-in-law who does and her husband <laughs> and Sue and Sue and, and I. It's for the camp because that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Jalapeno Sorry. bacon. Well, they used to have it at Hannaford's and it was fantastic, and then they stopped it. I'm amazed you didn't make one maple. Uh, that could be next. Don't you worry. I already got that recipe. I got that ready too. Oof. Maple and brown sugar and I'm gonna put oh. brine it for eight days. <laughs> Just, just take the big, just take the pork belly and just like, arr, arr. this is great radio. It yeah. is good. You know, you, yeah. know you, you want an outtake. You want to have some weirdness to it. So welcome. Every up. week, just by having you here. Yeah, that's right. I'm not going to disagree with that. <laughs> <sighs> I, um, yes. so it is now June 23rd. Mm-hmm. I, I am at 103 days at home. Yes. Well, I can answer this for you. That's a lot of days. Um, I'm one less than you, no matter what it is. It's 102 for me, so okay. it's 101 for you. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's a whole lot longer. I've now nah, I've been fine with it. Um, yeah. And I actually have a new en- uh, reenergization. <laughs> How about that one? Um, because now I have the new setup in the loft for the uh, for the laptop and the. Can you spell that? Uh, no, <laughs> come on. Why don't you just add me to do? Why don't you just ask me to do some um, multiplicativeness uh, equational transparencies or something too? <laughs> See, I want to. I want to boil this down to times tables. 
I got a story. I got a story about math. This is this is a story that everybody will really appreciate. I think. Um, I remember this is elementary school. I don't remember much. You know, my memory is not very good. But I remember that we were doing multiplication for the first time in elementary school, and we had tests. And what the teacher did for this test is, you had to go to her desk, who's in the back of the room, and she would have a card, and she would do the you know five times three, seven times nine, whatever. And it was just this whole test of all these numbers. And it was on a Friday. I'll never forget this. It's on a Friday. So it was my turn. I went up there. I did them all. She put the last card down. She goes, what homework do you have uh, planned for this weekend? And I said, oh, I got this, this, and this. She goes, you don't have any homework this weekend. Congratulations. You're the only person who got 100. And now I can't add 2 plus 2. So (laughs) I I have a couple of immediate reactions. (laughs) One, what a kiss ass. Two, Uh, hey, um, I think it's cute. You think you have a hard time just adding two plus two. You have a hard time breathing. <laughs> yeah, see? Yeah. Um, so when I was in the third grade at Hallsville Elementary School in Manchester, New Hampshire, ah. my third grade teacher, Mrs. LaDuke, used to make us all go through the deck of flashcards. Mm-hmm. And you had you couldn't think about it. You just had to be able to rattle off the answer. Right. When you made it through her entire deck and you did so successfully with no mistakes, you got a box of Cracker Jack. Every single kid did it until they got their box of Cracker Jack. Wow. And that was the coolest way I ever learned anything. Not having homework for me was pretty cool. So I will suck it. I had a Cracker Jack. I would have taken the Cracker Jack if it had the tattoo for the present because that's what I always looked for in the Cracker Jack. The special surprise gift? Yeah. I don't remember what mine had in it, um, but I don't think it was a tattoo. That was always the good one when you got the tattoo. Like the stupid boat or whistle. I, if it was a tattoo, it was 1970-something. I'm sure it would have said, keep on trucking. <laughs> it might have been laced with something, too. You know? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> keep on trucking yeah. with, with a big thumb. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Caramel coating. All right, Chuck, oh, you uh, you ready to do some uh, some coda? Let's do some coding. <laughs> you no, see? No. I'm not good at coding. I know. I'm not. You're not good at anything, really. Coochie Moya. Fart Coochie Moya. you got a fart Coochie Moya there. Yeah, I know that. That was very good. You came up with that one, so I got to give you credit where credit's due. You're gonna love today's. I can't wait. And bring my belt. <laughs> what? The hell? <laughs> what the hell is that? Just throwing you off your game, buddy. Wow. <laughs> Coconut!